there are now Strong Opinion Sports sweatshirts for sale. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's also now a permanent Strong Opinion Sports store. And to celebrate the opening of the store, I'm starting it with a sale. Currently, there are four items for sale, a pullover hoodie, a zip-up hoodie, a performance t-shirt, and a premium cotton t-shirt. All four are for sale at a reduced price right now. If you order by December 1st, everything is cheaper, and everything is guaranteed to ship to you by Christmas. The pullover hoodie is $35 on sale. At the end of the month, when the sale ends, it will be $40. The zip-up hoodie is $40 now. When the sale ends, it will be $45. The performance-style t-shirt is $25 now. After December 1st, it will be $30. And the premium cotton blend t-shirt is $20 on sale right now. And after the sale, it will be $25. Again, everything is on sale now until the end of November. And if you order by December 1st, I can guarantee you will get your stuff by Christmas. Follow the link in the description or go to shirtsforyourpeople.com and find the Strong Opinion Sports tab. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 307. I hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, This episode is all about predictions, whether it's predictions versus reality to start, or we'll do NFL predictions for week 11 in a moment. Uh, This is going to come out probably after week 11 officially starts, and I... I don't know. For me, like, I think the, I think a lot of people actually watch my predictions after the week ends anyway because they're like, well, what did Zach get right? What did Zach get wrong? What can we make fun of him for? So I wish it was earlier. I, I, I truly apologize. I had surgery last week. I started – I didn't get started watching games till Thursday because I just was out. I like – again, the lesson I learned was never take the drugs because the drugs just make you loopy and weird, and I never felt like myself. So I, I apologize, uh, but I'm also getting tired of apologizing. It's – it was going to be behind. It, this was never. This episode is probably never going to come out on time, and that's okay with me. I I, I wish I'd done better. Uh, we will do better next week. I uh, I I don't know. I'm already I'm already ahead actually for next week. So I we'll see. I'm I'm uh, I don't know. I love you guys. I want to jump in. Let's get started with this. Um, it's time for predictions versus reality for NFL Week Ten. We'll go backwards. Uh, it's a segment where I revisit the predictions I made. Uh, And usually, I love finding, huh, Zach, you were wrong about this or that. And yes, I do talk to myself in the third person, apparently. No, I I love dissecting where I get stuff wrong. However, uh, interestingly enough, in NFL Week 10, I basically got nothing wrong. I I, This happens occasionally. In fact, it happens way more than I feel like I get credit for. I get crapped on all the time for the stuff I get wrong. Uh, And I, I pretty much never gloat about the stuff I get right. So this is me kind of going... Hey guys, remember me? I got I went 12 and 1 last week. I got a couple minor details wrong and one game wrong, the Patriots game. Otherwise, I kind of nailed it last week. I'm gonna talk about that dive in. But also, I, I think I hope people don't skip this segment because you know I got I got a late start. Uh it's I got my wisdom teeth removed, as you guys know. It set me behind. I also didn't want to rush through games. I wanted to watch games at a reasonable pace. Because what I didn't want to do is watch games in a hurry and take bad notes. I think it matters to take your time, take intense notes, go through the process. Um, and also, watching, I have kind of a rule with myself. I don't make predictions until I watch every game from the previous week. So really get an understanding of every NFL team. It's excruciating. It's probably too much work, especially when you're like, hey, it's Thursday. 
because of your surgery, you got two days now to watch all the games. It, it was a hard task, but I, I really feel confident. And actually, again, I hope people don't skip this because I've got really good insight, I, I believe, on a lot of NFL teams this week, even in this segment, which I know is old, and I don't want to name it. I might break out little pieces. I don't really know. Either way, let's dive in. Let's do uh, predictions versus reality for last week. We'll start with the Steelers and the Bengals. Going in, I picked the Steelers to win. I was curious whether or not the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow, could challenge the Steelers at all. He could not, by the way. The Steelers won 36-10. to And this game was a mismatch right from the beginning. Uh, I do have a couple thoughts about the Bengals first. Number one, Joe Burrow, he needs help. You know, unfortunately, the team around Joe Burrow isn't great. And that's like the only thing Joe Burrow can't control. It's like Joe Burrow is, is really, he's young and he's learning. He's making some mistakes. But man, the things Joe Burrow can control, uh, I, would, I think his game most resembles actually, I don't know that in, in style of how he runs around and stuff, but the, the way Joe Burrow succeeds is with preparation and detail. It reminds me a lot of a young Tom Brady, right? And it's, it's not about the fact that Joe Burrow runs around. It's not about that. It's the fact that Joe Burrow prepares really, really hard. The problem is, again, he can't pick the players around him. He can't pick the organization around him. He can't pick a lot of stuff around him. And it feels like in order for Joe Burrow to elevate the Bengals to a position where they can win a lot of games, he's going to have to be dang near perfect. And I don't know that he can do that. I don't think that's even a realistic expectation. He just cannot do it alone. Now, Joe made some really good throws in this game. The Steelers' defense is just really Really good. Joe Hayden had a lot of balls knocked down. I mean, he, he I just, I, I, I love watching Joe Burrow play with T. Higgins. Joe and T are like awesome. They have great chemistry together. Uh, but I mean, the Steelers' defense, they won. They were great. They were phenomenal. And if Joe ever wants to compete with a team like the Steelers, he's going to need more help. Now, I'm also concerned that the Bengals' offense isn't necessarily built for the NFC North in November and December. Remember, I've been to Cincinnati. I love the city of Cincinnati. I want to live there for. I don't know. At some point, I want to live in Cincinnati, probably for a year, like rent a place for a year, have a good year there, then leave and go find somewhere warmer. But Cincinnati's a lot more mild than people actually realize. Cleveland, harsh. You're on the lake. There's a lake effect, swirling winds. The wind's crazy in Cleveland. Uh, Baltimore has harsh wind, harsh weather. Uh, Pittsburgh has harsh weather. It's not that Baltimore doesn't have snow, and but I think of all the cities in the AFC North, actually Cincinnati is probably the mild, most mild climate. Which, if you know anything about Cincinnati, that's actually not that good a thing to say. It means that there's bad weather everywhere in their division in November and December. And so, I, there's a reason why the Cleveland Browns offense is built around running the football. It's because they know we got we to gotta have snaps under center. We have to be able to run the ball. What if there's swirling winds and we literally can't even throw the ball at all? So, part of that is weather-related. And I, I do have a concern that the Bengals' offense isn't built to handle a bad... I watched Mike Leach a lot when I was at Washington State, and the problem with their offense actually was they couldn't win in the snow and the rain. They threw the ball like 70 times a game, and when you do that, it doesn't help when the ball is literally hard to hold and receivers are dropping passes. It's hard to snap. I, I'm concerned about that with the Bengals in cold weather. Uh, I love Joe. I have a lot, of, a lot of concerns. And again, Joe Burrow cannot control the things around him, the conditions, the team, the organization, ownership, all that. And I, I love Joe. I'm starting to go, it's going to take a lot more than people realize for Joe Burrow to turn things around in Cincinnati. Even though they're competitive and fun, when does competitive and fun lead to winning? 
That's my concern. We'll see what happens. Now, the Steelers roster is loaded with talent. People do not realize. I think a lot of people love to discount Pittsburgh anytime they can. They're like, oh, their schedule's weak and their quarterback. Blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Let, let's go through what they have on their roster. It's kind of ridiculous. First of all, they have eight really, really good skill players just on offense. They have James Conner, Benny Snell, two good running backs, Ray Ray McLeod, a receiver who's also a good return man, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Eric Ebron, this really, you know, not a star tight end, but a very quality tight end at times. Uh, Deontay Johnson, who Deontay Johnson has really impressed me this year in 2020, where he's so good after the catch. He's a guy I knew very little about. I don't know if he's been good in the past. I have no idea. But Deontay Johnson, man, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has emerged, in my awareness at least, and really been playing very, very well this year. I'm impressed with him. People need to realize there is a reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated. It's not just because they're playing a bunch of crappy teams. And yeah, I would like I, I kind of agree with some people that are critics of it saying like, well, their schedule isn't amazing. Fair enough. I'm not saying like they've had the hardest schedule of all time. But here's why they should be a Super Bowl favorite. Think about these couple things. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback, Big Ben. They have an amazing coach, Mike Tomlin, arguably also a Hall of Fame coach. You can He's in the discussion at the very least when his career is going to be over. You have a good offensive line. You have eight really good offensive weapons. You have one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the entire NFL. Tell me, what does Pittsburgh not have? Uh, oh, 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 Zach, they have everything? Yeah, they have everything. People love to discredit them. That's very silly. The Steelers are really, really good. Do not discount Pittsburgh. They create so many big plays on offense. Big Ben is playing outstanding. Of all of the old guard Hall of Fame quarterbacks, that's Tom Brady, Drew Brees, maybe Phillip Rivers. I'll throw in Aaron Rodgers in there. Big Ben is playing better than all of them right now. And look, I I agree. Like Part of that is because he's got amazing weapons around him, for sure. But he's also just playing at a very high level. That should not be taken away from him. No matter how good the people around him are, he deserves some credit. And people need to start giving the Steelers the respect that they deserve because, oh, my goodness, they're undefeated. They put the Jaguars today. They're probably going to be 10-0. and 0, And I, I, they, when are they going to become a Super Bowl favorite? No one's talking about that. I mean, I don't listen to the media anyway, so I don't really know. But I know that it feels like the messages I get from people, no one's going, oh, how do we beat Pittsburgh? Because I don't know how you beat Pittsburgh. And a lot of NFL, NFL teams don't know how to beat Pittsburgh, but no fans appear to be talking about it. So, And by the way, the Steelers' defense is incredibly incredibly dominant. It's it's terrifying. TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bud Dupree, Cameron Hayward, Joe Hayden, Robert Spillane, this linebacker who I think he's filling in for an injury. I had no idea who Robert Spillane was. He's playing great. They added Avery Williams, which is, they don't need Avery Williams. It's ridiculous from the Jets. It feels like the entire Steelers defense is made up with stars. That's not entirely true, but there are so many good players on this defense. Their front seven is amazing. I, I'm telling you now, Pittsburgh is at the minimum, at the minimum, a Super Bowl contender. They're going to be in the AFC Championship game. I think they're a Super Bowl team. I, I just feel like people need to start taking Pittsburgh more seriously than they are. I know they're undefeated. It's like, oh, of course, they're undefeated. What do you mean they're not taking them seriously? But I, I don't think the energy is right about Pittsburgh. They are really, really good. Okay, Texans at the Browns. Going in, I picked the Browns to win this game. I actually thought the Browns were going to win by a lot more. 
Uh, but I also can I'm not a weatherman. I don't predict the weather. I, I, I do the best I can with weather. I, I really don't know that much. And I, it was, you know, it seems like Cleveland always has crazy weather, which is actually why the Browns really have built the perfect offense for their city. I mean, they have an offense where they have safe under center snaps. I remember watching very, very clearly the Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots this past week. The Ravens couldn't even snap the ball to Lamar Jackson in, in, in the shotgun. It didn't work. It was like the ball would roll back to him. It was super wet. Under center snaps are a lot safer in harsh weather. They run the ball a ton. Baker Mayfield, if he needs to throw in harsh weather, which hopefully, honestly, you don't need to, but the Browns, if they need to, Baker does have a strong enough arm to cut through a lot of the wind he will face. And the wind was insane on Sunday. Uh, people don't realize how hard it is to throw the ball in conditions like what I guess frequently happened in Cleveland, which is this swirling wind. I, it matters. Going to New York City, going to play in, I guess, in New Jersey, in MetLife Stadium, going to play in Cleveland, going to play in Buffalo. You have to have a really strong arm. Baker does. But, I, I mean, people keep acting like Baker Mayfield had a bad game against Houston. I could not disagree more. I thought Baker played very, very well last week. The, people worry way too much about stats and how things appear rather than looking at decision-making. I mean, especially given the crazy wind, you got to realize Baker Mayfield was very, very disciplined against Houston. He gave Cleveland exactly what they need, which is that he avoided big mistakes. He was safe. He took care of the ball. He was efficient. They ran the ball. They had two people run for over 100 yards. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They both ran for over 100 yards. Oh, my gosh. You don't need to be the best quarterback in the world if you have that happening. You need to take care of the football. That's what Baker did against Houston and uh, it's just weird to me that people aren't like people look at Baker again. This, this just tells me people don't watch games. They look at box scores and go, "Well, his stats were bad. <laughs> How did he didn't have a touchdown pass? He he also didn't have an interception. He didn't have a lot of yards. I mean, did you watch the game? I mean, I think even on TV, it's hard to understand how crazy that wind was in Cleveland. And I think people, I will call. I have no problem calling Baker Mayfield out when it needs to happen. This is not one of those scenarios, and I think actually Baker should have deserved credit for what he did last week rather than being ripped apart and people saying, people were literally like, could he bounce back from a bad game? I'm like, what bad game? What are you talking about? I, I fundamentally don't agree with you or understand. Uh, the Browns' defense played very, very well. They had a goal line stand. Here was really telling, actually, is that the Browns got the ball back with four minutes and 55 seconds left. They ran seven straight running plays. They ran out the clock, quite literally. They kneeled the ball twice. They won the game. They walked away fat and happy. They have a dominating rushing game in Cleveland, and uh, it's, it's just really good for their franchise and really good for their team. Now, Houston. The Houston Texans quarterback, uh, I got, what am I even saying? The Houston Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson, deserves a ton of credit. I, I really think he is dealing with a lot where – the team around him has been very, very messy this year. They fired their head coach. They traded away a star receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, which was a big distraction, made them look bad. He lost his best weapon. Uh, the team isn't very good in Houston. They're 2-7. and seven. They're losing. And people don't understand how hard it is to stay disciplined when there's a mess all around you. I mean, look at the Eagles quarterback, Carson Wentz. He has fallen apart in a similar situation where there's injuries and people are hurt. And a lot of stuff's going on, and they're losing. You have to give Deshaun Watson a lot of respect for his mental fortitude. He really, really has done the absolute best he can. 
And again, people don't realize when your team is losing, it's really easy to get frustrated and start adding to their problems by playing badly. Deshaun Watson hasn't done that. He's been disciplined. He's taken care of the ball. He's, I, I think he deserves a lot of respect. Now, the Houston Texans, in my opinion, need to aggressively pursue, go get it, go track him down, give him a ton of money, hire him, go get the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. hire him as your next head coach, literally as soon as possible. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how much money to pay him. Go get him. I hear that people in Houston like Romeo Cornell. He's the current interim head coach. He's a, I think he might be actually old, uh, oldest coach in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's a longtime Belichick assistant. He's a really solid coach. I, I think that he, he had a great move. He called a, a punt in the swirling wind in Cleveland. It got them really good field position uh, on defense. I, I, there's some little stuff that Romeo Cornell does that are really good. And I think Houston, ownership, general manager, whoever has control there, could very kindly suggest, hey, Eric Bieniemy, we want to hire you. Our recommendation would be you should hire Romeo Cornell as your defensive coordinator. We think it's smart. And I think it's smart to hire Romeo Cornell. He's wise. He's been around for a long time. If you're a first-time head coach, if you're Eric Bieniemy, it makes sense to keep Romeo Cornell as your defensive coordinator. But also, if you're the ownership in Houston, you have to leave that decision up to the guy you're hiring, Eric Bieniemy. But here's what's Number one most important, the number one most important thing for Houston right now, they need to get a top-notch offensive coach to maximize Deshaun Watson's success. He needs to have his skill set capitalized on right now. Do not waste any more time of Deshaun Watson's career. You've already wasted too much, in my opinion. Take a, you're in the same division as the Indianapolis Colts. You played against Andrew Luck a ton. Do you remember what happened to Andrew Luck? He lost. He got the crap beat out of him. He got hurt. And in the end, he retired way too early. I don't know that Deshaun Watson's going to retire way too early. But I do know that the lesson there is, hey, if you don't give a guy help and support when he needs it, you're never going to live up to the expectations and the potential of that player's career. When you have an amazing, talented quarterback like Deshaun Watson is, take action. Go get them help. Go get them support. Do what it takes to Get them what they need. And in my opinion, that clear answer is go hire Eric Bieniemy as soon as humanly possible to be the head coach of the Houston Texans. Okay, Raiders-Broncos. I picked the Raiders to win this game. I was right. The Raiders were playing very, very well. Uh, I, I don't know that there's a lot of discussion. here. The Broncos, I mean, I think they won like 37-12. to 12. I think that's actually exactly the score. Uh, linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, deserves a shout-out. He's playing very, very well. He's having a great year. He had a sweet one-handed interception in this game at the very end of the game against Drew Locke. Uh, Josh Jacobs ran for 112 yards. The Raiders quarterback Derek Carr is having an outstanding year. And by the way, Derek Carr is better than stats would even show. People, again, this obsession with numbers, it drives me nuts because it lacks context. Derek Carr's better than the numbers show. He's had a couple inter touch, I guess a couple touchdowns dropped this year. He's had a couple touchdowns called back, I think even wrongly in some cases. Uh, Derek Carr is making very, very good decisions. He's playing very, very well. And uh, it's one of the best years I've ever seen Derek Carr play in his entire life. And, and, and Derek Carr, I think, deserves even more credit than he's been getting so far this year. Now, against the Raiders, against the Raiders, the Broncos quarterback, Drew Locke, had not one, not two, not three, but... Four interceptions. That cannot happen. And 
I, I look the number the fourth interception he threw was with 18 seconds left in the game. It's just kind of it was kind of an amazing one-handed play by Nick Kwiatkowski, the Raiders linebacker. Fair enough. Like if you want to if you want to say hey the fourth one you're down by a ton you're trying to make a play whatever I don't really care about that one, but interceptions one through three were bad decisions and bad throws and it cannot happen. And so I want to talk to discouraged Denver Broncos fans because I want to tell you Drew Lock is growing. He's learning, but he's also not hopeless. Drew Locke is doing some good things as well. I, I wouldn't give up on Drew Locke. In fact, I really haven't given up on Drew Locke. Now, people are very mad at me, especially in the state of New York, because there are hardcore Giants fans who are like, well, you've given up on Daniel Jones. Why have you not given up on Drew Locke? And my answer is, well, number one, life is not fair. And that's not my job to cover your feelings or to be. I, I do be, I'm as fair as I can be, by the way. Uh, but even if you're mad, it's not my job to really worry about you being mad. And I, I would also say, number two, I would give a longer, a, a, a more, a greater amount of chances to Drew Locke because he's a more talented quarterback than Daniel Jones. He's got a bigger, stronger arm. And then also, you have to realize, I don't know that Denver is going to be in a position where they can replace Drew Locke. I mean, that, that matters. If you can't replace your quarterback, it doesn't matter if he's good or not. He's got to figure it out. And here's what's very, very important. I want people to hear this. Next year, when everybody's healthy, the Broncos are going to have a ton of offensive weapons. They're going to have a good defense, good weapons. If they're healthy next year, Denver's going to have a loaded roster, probably another good player because they're going to have a high first-round draft pick. Not to mention you have a good offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer. Uh, Again, I think a high draft pick, probably not high enough to replace Drew Locke. But here's the thing. Drew Locke needs to be ready for next year. Drew Locke has to get things figured out. I think a little bit of compassion for Drew Locke makes sense. Remember, don't forget he's in a new offense. The players all around him got hurt. Remember, if everybody you're planning to work with gets injured and you're like, uh, our plan is now destroyed, I could see how that would affect a young quarterback. But regardless of all the excuses and this and that, people need to realize, and I guess Drew Locke, forget other people, this offseason, Drew Locke needs to decide whether or not he wants to make it in the NFL. This offseason, is he going to sit by the pool and he's, he's very wealthy? He, is he going to relax, hang out with his girlfriend, chill, be happy, and do a little bit of training? Or is he going to really put the pedal to the metal and get after it? How hungry is Drew Locke to succeed? Does Drew Locke want to win that badly? Does he want to make it in the NFL that badly? Because also, there's significant financial financial incentive if he plays very well. It's, it's not that hard. I mean, hey, you're going to make a crap load of money if you play very, very well. Drew Locke needs to spend money now hiring people that can help him practice and perfect his craft. He needs to hire a coach to help him watch film and dissect his game. Also, to watch other quarterbacks and take the good parts of Tom Brady's game and Drew Brees' game and Big Ben's game and pull from other quarterbacks. He needs to become a student of the game. He needs to throw one-on-ones constantly. Hire, if you need to hire receivers and defensive backs, guys who can just practice throwing the ball into the bucket or into a really tiny window against man coverage down the sideline. Practice the stuff you're struggling with right now in the NFL. He needs to put himself through like a personal boot camp because again, he needs to improve in order to capitalize next year when the Broncos are ready to win. I would hate to see this Broncos roster in a phenomenal position to win. And oh yeah, by the way, Drew Locke didn't do the work. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't ready. That would be really frustrating and unfortunate. Again, Drew needs to become a student of the game. 
playing quarterback needs to become his craft. He's got to take it more. It's hard to judge how seriously he takes it, but he's got to ramp things up. And if he doesn't, it's not going to work in Denver. And the Broncos are never going to live up to the potential they have next year. They have so many things going for them, but their quarterback, Drew Locke, has to get better this offseason and take a step forward or else it's not going to work at all next year in Denver. Uh, The Saints and the 49ers. I predicted the Saints to win this game. It was an easy prediction. The Saints are playing very, very well. The 49ers have a ton of injuries. The Saints won 27-13. to The 49ers had four turnovers. They threw two interceptions. One was bad. One was a jump ball. I I like Nick Mullins. I don't want to... I, I, he wasn't perfect. He's okay. I, I like I like Nick Mullins. I thought he's just he again. He's not a he's not a franchise quarterback. He's a backup who you hope he can do well enough. The Saints defense is playing very very well. Uh, the Saints also had well, not the Saints. Excuse me. I guess the Saints had a muff punt as well. But the 49ers had two really really costly muff punts, meaning you drop a punt when it's got it given you. Basically, you fumble a punt, and both the Saints both fumbles gave the Saints really really good field position. And that led to touchdowns for New Orleans. So I, I, the Saints kind of really handed two touchdowns to New Orleans. Or what am I saying? The 49ers handed two touchdowns to New Orleans. I'm really trying the best I can to get my words straight. Uh, I will say also, Jarek McKinnon, the 49ers running back. Oh my gosh, he is awful at pass protection. He, he wrongly lets so many rushers come free after the quarterback. There's a thing called check and release, and I know that's how I, – I, I know people in the building. I know that's how the 49ers operate uh, on a lot of the plays that I'm talking about and criticizing here. A check and release is where you check, hey, is anybody coming after the quarterback? And if nobody's coming after the quarterback, then you can release and go run a swing route or check down. But you don't want to check down if your quarterback's on his back. So if there's someone you need to hit and block, you block them. And multiple times, Jarek McKinnon let people run right by him that he should have been blocking. It's like, dude – what are you doing? At the very minimum, you can get away with this if you want. Put a hand on the guy. Jab the guy. Throw him off his course. Turn around. And maybe by the, at least Nick Mullins has enough warning to flip you the ball to check it down to you, knowing he's going to get nailed. But put a hand on the guy at the minimum. Jarek McKinnon. Oh, my gosh, Jarek McKinnon. It's, it's really frustrating to watch him try to pass block. Now, I, and I need some water for this. Um, the story of this 49ers Saints game was that Drew Brees got hurt. So against the 49ers, the Saints quarterback, Drew Brees, he fractured 11 of his ribs. I think eight on the right, three on the left, or vice versa. I don't One on one, one side had eight, one side had th- uh, three. And so Drew did not play the entire second half of the game against the 49ers. In fact, Jameis Winston came in. He played quarterback for the Saints. And uh, Jameis played the entire second half. By the way, Jameis, not Taysom Hill. So that'll come back to matter later. I mean, Taysom Hill had a couple of random plays running like wildcat formation stuff. Uh, Jameis played pretty well last week. He moved the ball very well. They scored points when he was in at quarterback. And that's why I was very, very surprised when it was announced that Taysom Hill was going to be the Saints starting quarterback for uh, the upcoming week 11. I went, what? Jameis, is he not your best quarterback? I don't really know. And so it's going to be interesting because for at least the next three weeks, because Drew Brees goes put on the injured reserve, meaning he has to at least sit out for the next three weeks. Um, we're going to see the Saints without Drew Brees. Again, let me let me repeat that. The Saints without Drew Brees, which is actually kind of foreshadowing at the future because, remember, Drew Brees is 41 years old. At some point, he's going to be gone. So I'm, I'm genuinely curious, is Taysom Hill next 
after Drew Brees retires. I don't know. But these next couple of games are going to be really, really fun for the sake of film analysis where I we get to dissect what happens to the Saints quarterback situation. Do they have a guy who can be next after Drew Brees? Is Jameis Winston going to play at all? I don't know. Uh, I, I would actually also kind of point out that in a weird, odd, roundabout way, the Saints are actually kind of lucky and fortunate because these couple games are going to give the Saints an opportunity to figure out what they have, and without actually, kind of at a minimal cost to their season. So, Taysom Mill's been the backup for the Saints for years. Uh, he's This is his fourth year in the league. It's also his fourth year in New Orleans. Uh, in four years, Taysom Mill has thrown exactly 18 passes in the NFL. Oh, so we really, I don't know a lot about him. I, I really, I, I, I've seen him play. Like I've probably seen all 18 throws he's made. I don't know what I can glean from that. I want to watch more. I don't watch the Saints practices, so I really am curious to see what's going to happen with New Orleans in the next couple weeks. Do they have the next quarterback they're going to need or not? I don't know. We're going to find out. We'll do film analysis when it's all said and done. It's going to be really, really fun. I'm very, very curious to find out. Do the Saints have their next quarterback? Yes or no? Packers-Jaguars. I predicted the Packers to win this game. I got that right, but I still feel like I got the game wrong because the Packers won 24-20. And I'll tell you, I never could have imagined the game being that close. Now, going in, the Packers had, excuse me, the Jaguars. The Jaguars had a, they had a bad record. The Jaguars had a rookie starting quarterback. They're playing a Packers team that's likely a playoff team. I think it is a playoff team. It's not really likely. They, they just are that good. Um, and I was really, really impressed with the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. Uh, their rookie quarterback, Jake Luton, was all right. He's a sixth-round pick from Oregon State. Uh, it's interesting because Jake Luton has the one thing. Luton led, and I, I really don't know. I still don't know. It's, I, I watched the game, and I, I watched the film. I didn't hear the broadcast. Probably should have. As I say that out loud, I probably should have figured out how to say his name before. I apologize that I didn't. I'll do that better next time. Uh, Jake has the one thing Gardner Inshu doesn't have which is a strong arm. You go, oh, honestly, I wish I could combine Jake and Gardner into one quarterback. That'd be a really good quarterback. Tall, athletic, strong arm, really smart, charismatic. It'd be all the things that make up Jake Luton and Gardner. If you could just combine the two, oh my gosh, they'd have a franchise quarterback in uh, in Jacksonville. So it's, I I wish you could. You can't do that kind of stuff. I think the science, even if it was possible, they would say, that's illegal, you can't, but... I'm so stupid why I would say that. Um, I don't know. I will say this. The Jaguars coaching staff, the Jaguars coaching staff has really, really impressed me this year. I am not sold that they deserve to be fired. I, yeah, they're 1-8. and eight. Sure, they're not doing very well. Uh, but they were given a really young, not very great roster. And the, the key to the Jaguars coaching staff, what they're doing right now, collectively as a whole unit, they're developing young players very, very well. James Robinson on offense, Avishka Chenault, the receiver on offense and on defense. You know, Josh Allen, Caleb on Chason, uh, corner Sidney Jones, a guy who is giving great coverage. He did a great job guarding Devontae Adams against the Packers. Uh, rookie corner, C.J. Henderson, he had a forced fumble against Green Bay. The Jaguars are fighting hard. Their young players are emerging. It's really cool. I mean, I, I think kind of my favorite part about go- the Jaguars going in was I can't wait to see what young players are rising players and the young talent they have 
and it makes them fun to watch. It really has turned out that way. Like, yeah, the Jaguars, they're they're one and eight, but it's actually been a pretty interesting one and eight where young players are making a lot of plays. They're growing. They're learning. Uh, I want to give credit to the Jaguars coaching staff. They're developing young players, and that's not hard. You have to be a teacher. You have to help under, people understand what their potential is, teach them how to do their job better. Uh, I You also have to consider that the Jaguars head coach, Doug Marone, never really has had a top quarterback, and he's yet still done pretty well in Jacksonville. Here's a weird, crazy thought. The best quarterback Doug Marone has ever had is Gardner Minshew. Oh, God. I love Gardner Minshew, right? I'm a huge fan of him, the person. If The best quarterback you've ever had in the NFL is Gardner Minshew. <sighs> it, just, it says a lot about, man, you really haven't had the best luck as a, quarter, as a coach with quarterbacks. And, uh, I mean, think about this. Doug Marone got to an AFC championship game with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Blake Bortles! Oh, my gosh! What?! So Doug Marone can coach. Then consider, look, he's got a young team dealing with COVID. I think Doug Marone should keep his job. I really want to see what Doug Marone can do. All the young players, they're growing, they're learning, they're developing. They got Joe Schobert, this really good linebacker, who's kind of their centerpiece of their team and the the captain, the great, you know, he, he's their, their I don't know what you call it, their flagship, their, he's the centerpiece of their team, really, the their rod that they need to rally around. I, I don't, I, that makes no sense. I wish I had a better way to put that, but I... I just, I like what the Jaguars are doing, despite how bad their record is. Every game they lose, and if they lose and it's competitive, it actually helps them get more good players next year. I really want to see the Jaguars with Justin Fields as their quarterback. I I think Doug Marone plus Justin Fields plus all the young talent they have that's developing. That's a really good team. And I, I, I think people should kind of recognize the Jaguars coaching staff is doing a good job. Again, the key to their job. They were given a really bad roster with young players. They're developing those young players. They're getting them better. They're prepared to compete every week. They're fighting really, really hard for their coach. I mean, I Doug Marone should keep his job, in my opinion. Uh, what's next? Uh, I can't even... Ugh. Oh, Washington against the Lions. Another game where I got the winner right, but I got some key details wrong. I was concerned about Washington quarterback Alex Smith. Uh, he really, really excited me. I'm really, I'm excited to watch Alex Smith this next week. Uh, I think they play. Who do they play? Somebody beatable. It's really, uh, I don't remember. It's, it's, in my, it's in the next segment. We'll talk about it later. Uh, Alex Smith was 38 for 55, passing at 390 yards. The stats are one thing. I, that's just kind of a benchmark to understand. He threw for almost 400 yards. He was pretty efficient throwing the ball. Uh, he's likely going to win story of the year for me at the end of the year. Um, but this was a crazy game because the Lions were up. 24 to 3 in the third quarter. I mean, the Lions were blowing out Washington. And Washington came storming back. And it wasn't just garbage time getting a couple points. No, they came all the way back. They tied the game. <laughs> what? Alex Smith tied the game in the fourth quarter. I went, oh my goodness, here we go. And there were three scores. So uh, Washington tied the game 24-24 with six minutes left. Then the Lions had a field goal. And within the final three minutes, three scores happened. The Lions had a field goal. Then Washington had a two-minute drive for a touchdown. And then the Lions got the ball. Tie game, 16 seconds left. They drove 34 yards, kicked a 59-yard field goal. They won the game. Oh, my gosh. This Washington-Lions game was a game I was not really interested in watching. And I, I watched it and went, what? 
That was so much fun. I really, I, I think people, here's another reason why that game was fun. Not only was the score interesting, um, the highlight of the Washington-Detroit game for me was having a former Pro Bowl corner, Aqib Tlaib, calling the game. Aqib Tlaib is a guy who, I, I, I did not see this coming. I did not expect it. He just retired. I loved him. I cannot overstate Aqib Tlaib. Wow, it's a different broadcast. It's not a broadcast you've ever heard before. I love his insight. I love what he has to say. And he's very casual, which I, I think is needed. He's not stuffy. There's not these, a lot of broadcasts are very, they have the suit tied. It's boring. It's, it's boring. No, 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 no. When you listen to a game that Aqib Tlaib calls, it's like watching with a friend or watching with someone in a film room and you're dissecting the game. He's more casual. He's less stuffy. He's really smart. He clearly, obviously, Knows what he's talking about. He's got great insight into defenses because he was at the top of the NFL for a long time. He's and and not he's not a quarterback. He's he's really he was a corner, meaning that he has a lot of insight on pass interference calls and little coverage nuance and the way he describes stuff quickly. He's a good teacher, actually. Uh, and Akeem Talib calling the game probably for one of the first times all year got me to turn the volume up in this game. I went, who's this guy? I went, huh. Oh, I like, he's saying he's saying man. He's saying uh. He's more casual. He's not trying to be anything. He's not. He's being himself. I, I came to leave. Round of applause. I, I'm ranting now, but oh my gosh, I loved listening to Akeem to leave call that game. Um, I it got me to even watch the TV copy. Remember, normally I watch the film and or, or either I watch the film or if I have to watch the TV copy, meaning like the the thing people see on TV, I mute the game. Oh, no. No, no. I loved it. I, I, I listened to everything Akib Tlaib had to say. I probably took way too long. Like, usually I I don't watch kickoffs and stuff that don't, aren't going to matter. I just literally sat back for three hours and I listened to everything. I was in, in a happy like happy place, man. I just, oh, I love Akib Tlaib. I, I, I love listening to him be a human being. And uh, I he's, there's a new kid on the block, man. There, Akib Tlaib is a broadcaster. I hope people keep, you know... Network executives are people I do not trust at all. I mean, they've canceled my favorite shows. They've done all kinds of stuff that drives me nuts. Uh, I've even, I know some of them. I've talked to them. They're, they're a pain in the, the rear. I hate them. They're awful. Uh, and if they fire and keep to leave, it's like canceling my favorite TV show. I'd be so sad. I'd be like, no, bring him back. My new favorite, like little, my favorite broadcast. I, like, I, I, like, I love Joel Clyde. I love Tony Romo. They're better in my opinion. No, no, knock though. I keep believing it's like this new thing. I'm like, oh, this shiny new car. He's great. He's fun. He's interesting. He's energetic. I please don't get rid of him. He's he's funny. I really like you keep believing, and I, I really, really, really hope that he keeps broadcasting because oh my gosh, this guy is uh, he's a gem. He really. We got if you watch that Washington uh, Detroit Lions game, you, you got to see something really, really fun and exciting and cool. And I I'm getting goosebumps. What the heck? I I really I had a great time. I don't have a man crush on the guy, but oh my gosh, I love his broadcasting style. It's what I'm going to keep going because it's what I've wanted for so long, which is to tone down the stuffy, like, perfect, has to be a certain way. No, no, dude, talk like you're actually a human being. Talk like you're watching a game with your friends. That's what Akeem Talib brought me, and uh, man, I, I can't say enough good things. It was really, really fun. The Dolphins and the Chargers, the battle... Of two young quarterbacks. I guess I haven't talked about this game yet. Uh, Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavaloa. I could not have been more right about this game if I had done my predictions episode after the game had already happened. I literally, I, it's like I had a crystal ball. I, I got everything right. It's because I just, I, I watch every game. I've got a really good pulse on the league. And uh, I predicted the Dolphins to win. 
because they had a better team, they had a better coach. I thought it'd be a fun, interesting game. It was exactly that. Uh, Justin Herbert is the more explosive quarterback, uh, but the Dolphins won 29-21. to Miami's a better team all around. It does matter. It was interesting. It was fun. In the end, Miami won. I was right. I'm not going to—I don't need to gloat about that one. I just—I nailed it. I killed it, and I'm happy. Uh, the Rams and the Seahawks. I picked the Rams to win this game. Your boy was right. I did well. Uh, it felt weird to count out Russell Wilson, but again, it, it was the right call. Uh, the Rams won 23-16. to Russell Wilson led Seattle in rushing. That's not good. Uh, I haven't watched the Thursday Night Football game yet between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Uh, that'll be today's task. You know, it's Sunday morning, so uh, I, I just, I've been trying to watch the other games from Week 10 and catch up uh, after my surgery. Which I, you, know, you know what I mean? Um, I think with the Rams, nobody talks about how the Rams have two good tight ends. They have Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. They're not, like, star tight ends, but they're quality, and they really do a good job. And I don't think anybody, like, I, I just, nobody nationally talks about Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. But they're really good. They're very, very quality. They're kind of like the second tier down. They're not stars. They're not Travis Kelsey. But they both contribute a lot of really good stuff, and I, I think they deserve a shout-out. Uh, I also love the Rams running back rotation. Uh, their kind of top three guys are Daryl Henderson, Nockham Brown, and Cam Akers. And uh, with multiple backs, the Rams are getting really, really good production. And actually, the Rams are showing that having multiple running backs is a really smart alternative to paying one running back a lot of money. I, you know, it's cheaper. You're less reliant on one person. I think if I was an NFL general manager, I would probably pick a running back. Did I say quarterback? I mean, if I've said a quarterback, I meant running back the entire time. I would pick a running back in the second round of the NFL draft probably almost every single year. Like, if I don't need a running back and there's a really good one available, take him anyway because you have the guy for his rookie contract, then let him leave and replace him with another guy who's – Again, cheap and talented, and you can play right away because as running backs get older, their bodies deteriorate. And even if you're like, even if your guy after the rookie contract is going to stay really good, you can still get 70% of that production from a rookie on a cheaper contract. Don't pay running backs. I, I, it's unfortunate, right? You pay Christian McCaffrey, you pay Alvin Kamara. I, who else? I may, maybe Saquon, but what has Saquon really done to elevate? New York. Can you name it? I can't. Ezekiel Elliott is hemorrhaging the Cowboys for money and hurting their franchise. Again, I, I would, I, I, it's not really like the cool thing to say. I know that it's like, I, I have friends who play running back at, high, the high, at a high level. It's like, I'm sorry, guys. I wouldn't pay you. I, I don't think running backs are very valuable. I, I just, you can, they're easily replaceable. There's so many good ones out there. And if you have a good scheme, the, the offensive linemen and the scheme matter so much more than getting the best running back in the league. A great running back with a bad offensive line is nothing. I'm rambling now, but I, I, I just, I am telling you. I guess you paid Derrick Henry, right? That's another one I, I'm forgetting. Uh, there's not a lot of running backs I would pay, though. And, and most of them, even really, really good ones, I'd say, I'm replacing you with a rookie who's cheaper because you're not worth the contract anymore. Uh, and I would, if I was a GM, I'd be harsh and cold. I'd be not, I'd be very personable, nice, but I'd be like, I, look, I'm sorry, man. I'd, I'll say it to your face. You're not worth what I'm paying you and what you want. So I'm going to, I'm going to pay a rookie running back a cheaper amount and replace you. And I would say it to their face and say, look, it's a harsh world. I apologize. Take less money or I'm not going to bring you back into our team. And even then I still would feel safer getting a rookie because they're younger. They're, they've got fewer hits. I mean, a, a running back, honestly, this is so crazy. I, I'm, I didn't mean to go on this tangent, but. A running back is kind of like a tire where 
the more wear and tear you get, the less reliable it is. And it, it just, it, it, the more your running back runs, the more hits he takes, the more wear and tear goes on his body, the less, you know, gas he has in the tank to keep going. And so, uh, running backs are finite. They're, they're just, their careers are not very long. My, if I was someone, I would say, Hey guys, don't play running back, play receiver, not running back. Cause running backs careers are very, very short. Receivers can play a lot longer, play quarterback, play anything. Running backs get their tar beat out of them. If you don't want to play running back, it, 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 running backs are linebackers basically. And, uh, linebacker careers aren't very long either, but I think linebackers actually somehow find a way to make it even longer than running backs. I just, I, I wouldn't pay running back. I just would not. Uh, unfortunately, I feel bad. I, I feel bad and guilty saying that, but it's just reality. I wouldn't. Uh, by the way, Jalen Ramsey shut down DK Metcalf in that Seattle Seahawks game. Uh, DK had two catches for 28 yards. Uh, Russell Wilson had three turnovers. He had two interceptions, like bad ones actually, and a fumble. So that's I, I know we we got away from that, but that's why the Rams and how the Rams beat Seattle last Sunday. Uh, the Giants and the Eagles. This is a tough one for me. Uh, I, I said I thought the Giants would win. I, I really was torn here. Uh, but again, I did. I, I admitted it was a toss-up, but I, I picked the Giants. I'm going to go with it. I was technically right, even though it's, I don't, this is not, I'm not like, I'm not like, yeah, I was right. I nailed it on the Giants. I was so right. I'm, I'm not going to gloat on this one. It, it, I, I kind of got it right, but it, eh, like, eh, I got lucky. Uh, the Giants won 27-17. Carson Wentz, the Eagles quarterback, uh, he looks like he's losing confidence. The Eagles are 3-5-1. and one. Uh, They're really struggling to protect him. The, the, the Eagles' pass protection has been really, really bad. And the year is taking a toll on Carson Wentz. And I, I worry about him because hope is very, very important. And Carson appears to be losing hope. And that's not good. Now, the Eagles have two solid running backs. They have Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. Reminds me a lot of the Rams, actually. Two quality backs. You don't need to start running back. You got two quality backs. They're giving good production. Uh, Boston Scott had a really good touchdown run. Uh, the Eagles' defense is struggling with crossing routes. I mean, if you run crossing routes against the Eagles, they have really bad communication. They're leaving guys wide open. Look for that next time you watch the Eagles is that they give up a lot of open crossing routes because they're just it's poor communication. It's a It's a schematic problem. At least it has been so far this year. Now, the Giants quarterback isn't awful. Uh, I don't hate Daniel Jones. I think people think I don't like him. He's not Mitchell Trubisky. He's not. I have nothing against Daniel Jones. He seems like a nice guy, but he's not great. He's just okay. His arm limits him. Actually, his scariest threat is his ability to run. That's why I'm not really excited about Daniel Jones. It's that he's limited. And once you realize, hey, the quarterback we have is limited. It's funny. I uh, when I played, I played quarterback in college, and I, I was really, really when I made my Daniel Jones film analysis, probably I think two years ago now. I I think my my philosophy has changed a lot. I used to be way kinder to quarterbacks with weaker arms that uh, couldn't drive the balls well downfield because that's ah, it doesn't matter. You got to be accurate, and it does. You got to be accurate for sure. Um, but I, arm strength matters, and arm talent matters, and I. If I'm a coach, because my, my perspective has shifted a lot from the emotion of a player, hopefully more to the analysis of a coach and someone with a more objective, uh, you know, less biased approach. Because I was a quarterback, but I tried to remove my layer of emotion there. And if you remove the emotion, it makes you want a quarterback with a stronger arm. He's got more potential. He can make more plays. And I I get it. I, I really my, my philosophy has shifted. I really value arm talent way more than I used to. Um and Daniel Jones, his decision-making is bad a lot of the time. His uh, Not all the time, but a lot of the time. 
He has very low pocket awareness, but also forget all that. What's the best Daniel Jones can ever become? He's got a limited arm. That that to me is screams uh walk away. It, it, once you realize the guy we have is never going to be amazing, what are you doing? Go get a better quarterback. <laughs> Draft it, replace him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Daniel Jones is okay. Not awful, but just okay. And you don't want a just okay quarterback. You want a great quarterback. So I I've given up on Daniel Jones. I'm not trying to be mean. I just it's just it's he's never going to be Patrick Mahomes or he's never going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback and never going to be amazing, never going to be top of the league. He's not even ever going to be Dak Prescott probably. So I yeah, I would walk away from Daniel Jones. The Patriots at the Ravens. The game I got wrong. Uh I believed that the Ravens would win this game. The Patriots actually beat the Ravens 23 to 17. Uh, I have no shame at all saying this. I, I cannot figure out the Patriots for the life of me. I, I I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. It's confusing. I did a whole video. I'm not going to say any more about it. I did a whole topic about it. Uh, it's called, I think, I don't. I, I can't figure out the Patriots. It literally might even be called that. Um, go watch it. It's me rambling for like, <laughs> it felt like an hour and a half. It's not really. It's like, it's like 15, 12 minutes maybe of me just going, Here's explaining my thought process and trying to understand their thought process. It's like a, I'm, I'm proud. It's actually a good video, but it, I, I just don't understand what the Patriots are doing at all. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Patriots corner, J.C. Jackson. He's an undrafted player. He's in his third year. He deserves a ton of credit. He's actually leading the NFL in interceptions. He has six. He had another one on Lamar Jackson before halftime in this game. Uh, the Ravens tight end, Nick Boyle, he's out for the year uh, with a knee injury. He's the Ravens' blocking tight end. Now, the Ravens, they run the ball heavily. Nick Boyle is heavily involved in their running game, too. So that's going to hurt the Ravens a lot moving forward. I'm concerned for them. And uh, nobody scored in the fourth quarter. It was There was crazy rain. If you watch the—I mean, the TV copy never even does it justice. I, I mean, the rain between the Patriots and the Ravens was insane on Sunday Night Football. And uh, the Ravens were down six points— needing to throw the ball at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, and it was literally just too wet. They couldn't even snap the ball to Lamar Jackson. Uh, at, they had a ton of drops. It was a huge mess. They couldn't throw the ball at all. And it's not really because Lamar's bad. It's because the ball was so wet, you literally couldn't hold it without it slipping out of your hands. Uh, so, I mean, not to mention Lamar is also still growing and finding who he is as a quarterback and who he wants to be. I said that Lamar is finding his identity. What I mean is Lamar is still figuring out what parts of other people's game he wants to bring into his and he's still finding when do I run when do I do this what what's my action here he, he's he's doubting himself a lot he's second guessing a lot of things and I don't think it's actually bad I think Lamar Jackson won an NFL MVP and went I want to get better though I, I think Lamar's trying to get even better and take another step forward and the process of growth is just painful and frustrating it takes a long time and so Lamar's figuring out who he wants to be as a quarterback it's not bad it's just growing pains and so uh, you, you can win an NFL MVP and get better. That's what he's trying to do. He doesn't want to be just a running quarterback. He wants to learn how to throw the ball better, I think, and have a you know more longevity to his career. So Lamar is, is struggling, but it's not bad. It's I think it's healthy struggle, and just get better, you have to struggle. So uh, Lamar is well on his way. It's just going to take a while. Buccaneers-Panthers. I was sad Christian McCaffrey didn't play in this game because I feel like 
it'd be it'd be exciting to watch a really good matchup between the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Uh, I picked the Buccaneers. It was really hard to pick them. I, I was torn, but the Buccaneers did win 46-23. Uh, this is some of the best football Tom Brady's played all year. It seems like he's figuring out how to play with Mike Evans, his star receiver. That's terrifying. I mean, here's the thing. The, the number one takeaway from this game is Tom Brady's figuring it out. And they're, I mean, every week I watch the Buccaneers, they're so inconsistent. They've been inconsistent. They've been frustrating. But I'm st- I, I'm, I have faith that Tom Brady is figuring things out and going to keep getting better from this point. Uh, Gronk did really well. He had a big catch and a touchdown. The Buccaneers defense played very well. Ronald Jones had a 98-yard touchdown run. But I, I, I believe from this game, I, I'm using this as evidence that the Buccaneers are heating up on offense and getting better, and that's not good for anybody. Because if Tom Brady's playing well with the weapons he has, watch out. It's going to be terrifying to play the Buccaneers. The Vikings and the Bears. I picked the Vikings to win this game. The Vikings won 19-13. to Kirk got his first win on Monday Night Football. Played very well. Kirk Cousins, respect to that. Uh, Dalvin Cook ran the ball for 96 yards. He had a pretty decent game. Uh, although, I think he, like, if you care about stats, I think he only had, like, because what's, he had 30 carries for 96 yards. What's 96 divided by 30? It's like 3.3 something. I, I can't do math. I, 3 point something. Not a lot of yards per carry. So I you could you can give credit to, the Bears, if you want, but I thought—I mean, Dalvin Cook, I thought had a solid game. He had a really—he had an amazing one-yard run where they met him in the backfield, and he went skirt, and they everybody went past him, and he broke like three tackles for a one-yard run. I mean, Dalvin Cook's amazing. Uh, now, let's talk about the Bears because the Bears need a complete overhaul. They need a new coach. They need a new quarterback. They need a new general manager. I have always. I'm, I'm not afraid to say this. I have hated Mitchell Trubisky for years. I don't like him. He's not a good quarterback. He's infuriating to watch. Uh, and for a long time, I've been very, very critical of Mitchell Trubisky. But also, Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, I, I'm, I'm just so unimpressed with him. Uh, you know, for a long time, Matt Nagy failed to develop Mitchell Trubisky. Well, that's harsh because Mitchell Trubisky had a lot of opportunities. I mean, so many missed opportunities where good plays were called and he would either not see a guy open or literally completely miss a throw, airmail throw, whatever. But I, th- I think some of the stuff needs to go on Matt Nagy now where Matt Nagy never helped Mitchell Trubisky make the proper corrections in the film room. Mitchell needed guidance and help and he never got it. And that's, I, I wish I could have gotten in a room and talked to Mitchell Trubisky and been like, dude, you need to do this. You need to work on these things. You need to, here's, I need to practice. People, a lot of times people don't even have a plan how to get better. It's really bad. And I think Matt Nagy never gave Trubisky a plan how to get better. And I don't know if, I don't know, if, I don't know the work ethic is a problem with Mitchell Trubisky. I have no idea. I've never met the guy. I don't know anything about him other than his play on the field every week was really, really horrendously bad. And so, again, I do wonder about work ethic, but I, I, what if he was never told the right things to do? Like, you can work incredibly hard, but if you're doing all the wrong stuff, it doesn't matter. And I think Mitchell Trubisky never had a plan to get better. Without Mitch, we've also learned, hey, Matt Nagy has been kind of exposed. He's not a very good coach. It's, it's all bad. It's really, was Matt Nagy elevated by Andy Reid in uh, Kansas City? Probably. I mean, I, I remember, I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like the Bears do not have a long-term quarterback. It's not Nick Foles. It's not Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I think they got to fire everybody. Uh, they need to, they, they've been running the ball terribly. 
It's a bad scheme. It's a bad offensive line. They don't really have a running back. If I were the Bears, I would actually draft a running back probably. I mean, you know me. I, I draft him in the second round. I draft a running back almost every year in the second round. The Bears need to draft a running back. Not in the first round, in the second round after they get a quarterback. Uh, the Bears are the worst running game in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're last in every category. It's just awful. Uh, and I, I feel sad for Bears fans. I mean, I Matt Nagy, it, it didn't work. I, I, I think that I'm starting to give him more blame for Trubisky's failures than I used to because I, all I saw was guys open and bad throw or I saw guys open and not recognizing guy open. But at some point you go, why isn't the coach – developing this guy why isn't the coach giving him the tools he needs to figure out how to get better and so and then without Trubisky it's not like the Bears are way better and and I I don't know the Bears are just a mess fire everybody restart unfortunately Uh, and you know what here's what's really really sad the Bears at one point had this dominant dominant defense they don't anymore they don't they it's it's a, a missed opportunity I mean (laughs) <laughs> when I look back at the missed opportunities in the NFL, Andrew Luck's career, uh, the amazing Bears defense, um, I uh, probably the year Tom Brady got hurt after having you know after going eighteen and one, you know it's he got hurt. Matt Castle played the next year. It's like man, what a what a sad. If the, that team had their quarterback, they would have done amazing things again. Uh, there's there's a lot of missed opportunities in the NFL history and things to look back on, but the Bears have this incredible incredible defense. And they never could get the quarterback right. It's so sad. And never, it's the lesson here is don't be afraid to walk away. If it's not working, walk away. Don't waste a good thing. Don't squander a great defense with a great defensive coordinator who's doing incredible stuff with a bad quarterback who can't win you anyway. Like The Jaguars had a great team and they had Blake Bortles at quarterback. It's the same exact thing. It's so disappointing when a team can't put it all together. And the Bears never could. It's very, very sad. It just, uh, it makes me, it, it's, it's so depressing to me. It's like, oh, man, the Bears had this amazing defense and totally wasted it. Uh, last one, the Cardinals at the Bills. Uh, I nailed this game too. Uh, I'm not going to say too much. I did a whole topic breaking down the Bills and the Cardinals, um, you know, in the last episode, in episode 306. So this game went exactly like I said it would. It was crazy. It was close. It was fun. Kyler lit it up. Uh, the Cardinals won 32-30 to 30 with a last-second Hail Mary. It was a fun game. I had a great time, and uh, I I don't know. There's not a lot that needs to be said there. I nailed this one. I went 12-1 and one last week. I really i am very proud. I think that the work I'm doing where I watch every single game is hard to do, <laughs> but it, it really does give you—it gives me a lot of deep insight in the NFL, and it pays off. Uh, water real quick. I'm not even going to cut the episode. I'm just going to keep going. Um, I was going to take a break. My thing says, uh, take a short break. End of a week, 11 predictions are next, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, I want to talk about NFL week 11. It's here. We'll do some predictions. Uh, I This episode's late. I'm looking at the clock. It's 10.01 in the morning right now, meaning that this video is not going to come out until after NFL week 11 has started, which is disappointing. I, I apologize. I got my wisdom teeth taken out. I, uh, I had, then I, I have this rule with myself. I don't make predictions until I've watched every single game from the previous week. Cause I, what I don't want to do is just say stuff. I want to be informed when I give predictions. And so I, I, the, the cost of getting a late start after surgery last week, trying to catch up, watching all the games has put me to this moment where it's 10 one in the morning on Sunday. 
The games are starting right now, and my predictions are going to come out in like 30 minutes. So I, I apologize. I, I did the best I could. I think a lot of people, though, watch these after the games have already started. Like, people love to go back and go, hmm, what do you get right? What do you get wrong? I don't know. So I did the best I could. Here we are. Uh, I'll, I'll be good for the 1 o'clock window on the West Coast, so that's fine, in my opinion. I apologize. It's a little bit late. I did the best I could. Uh, we'll be better next week, too, by the way. I'm, I'm ahead for next week, so I, I, I had surgery. Please forgive me. The Bengals at Washington should be a fun game. Uh, Joe Burrow and Alex Smith are playing each other in a roundabout way where they play their, each other's defenses. Uh, Alex Smith was really, really good against the Lions last week. It gave me a renewed interest. Like, oh, my gosh, Alex Smith had 390 yards. He was like 38 for 55 passing. He had just, oh, wow. I mean, he, he, he had a great comeback. He brought them back from they were down 24 to 3, came back and almost won the game. Alex Smith. Wow, I, I, he's gotten better since he first played. He's getting more comfortable. He really has settled in. Uh, I believe Washington beats the Bengals this week. It'll be a close game. Uh, I have confidence in Alex Smith, actually. Uh, that may, but they also have a better coach. They have a better defense. I mean, that matters. Washington is no slouch. They're actually they're a competitive team. And I, I think what Ron Rivera is doing is turning around a culture and building things right there. Uh, now, Joe Burrow against the Washington defense. That'll be really fun really interesting. Uh, I say that every week about Joe Burrow. I just love watching Joe Burrow, I guess. Uh, but Washington should win this game, and that I don't feel a lot of... Uh, there's nothing... I feel convicted in that. I mean, Washington should win. Uh, it'll be close. I hope it's interesting, but Washington will win this game. The Steelers at the Jaguars. Uh, I was really impressed with the Jaguars last week. People are not talking about how well-coached they are and how much they're progressing their young players. I mean, they, at Green Bay... On the road in a game nobody expected them to do well. They lost by four points, and they were competitive. And the young guys are stepping up. And uh, I, I, I just the Jaguars respect right. They're one and eight, but they're 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 developing. Even so, it's a complete mismatch against Pittsburgh. Who Pittsburgh? They're a Super Bowl favorite in my opinion, or they should be at least. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback, an amazing coach, a dangerous offense, a great offensive line, eight really good weapons. They have a suffocating defense. I mean, they have. I'm going to try to name all eight. They have Benny Snell Jr. They have uh, James Conner. They have Juju Smith-Schuster, Ray Ray McLeod, Eric Ebron, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Uh, there's one more. Who's the other guy I'm not listing? Uh, uh, James Washington. They've got eight incredible players on offense. They've got TJ Watt. They've got Mickey Fitzpatrick. I, I could go on and on for way too long and forever. I don't need to. Uh, the Steelers are really good. They're going to beat the crap out of the Jaguars. Uh, but I will say, I'm interested to see how much the Jaguars compete and fight. Uh, it's a mismatch, though. They're going to lose badly, uh, I, I would think. The Falcons and the Saints. Uh, the Saints are the better team with a better coach. They should win. I don't really care about anything. My brain space with this game is dominated by one thing. It's the fact that the Saints do not have Drew Brees. Oh, wait. So what's going to happen? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't... I don't care about Matt Ryan. I don't care about the Saints defense. I don't care about anything other than how does the Saints quarterback Taysom Hill do? Drew Brees is out. He's got 11 fractured ribs. Drew Brees is also 41 years old. So at some point, Drew Brees is going to leave New Orleans. Who is their next guy? It's a tryout. It's an audition. He's on the injured reserve. It's going to take at least three weeks. So the beginning of the tryout starts today for Taysom Hill. Does Taysom Hill do well? Is he bad? Does he do so badly that Jameis Winston comes in in the second half and replaces him? I don't know. I have no idea. Remember, Taysom Hill's thrown 
18 passes in his NFL career. That's insanely low. I he's played he's been in the NFL for four years. Uh, I think the Saints win this game uh, because they're a better team, better coach again. Uh, but shamelessly, all I care about, the only thing I care about in this game, is how do the Saints quarterback or backup quarterbacks do? Jameis, Taysom Hill starting. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I I really want to watch how Taysom Hill does, and I I can't wait to see what happens with the Saints' backup quarterback, and that's really, again, all I care about in this game, shamelessly. Uh, The Patriots and the Texans. I think it's reasonable to believe that the Patriots will win. Uh, The Texans fired their head coach, Bill O'Brien. It's funny, my notes say Bill Belichick, which is totally wrong. I'm tired. I haven't slept yet. Uh, They've been a mess. Uh, Really, I I have no idea. Uh, I I can't get a read on the Patriots. I I made a whole video about it. I, I don't know. I... I would think the Patriots win. The Patriots are four and five. The Texans are two and seven. Uh, but also the Texans interim head coach, Romeo Cornell, has a history. He used to work for Bill Belichick. He won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick in New England. So um, I, I don't know. I really he knows the Patriots very well. He knows Bill Belichick very well. And Deshaun Watson, the Texans quarterback, is good enough to make anything happen. He he really is a wild card here. He he's good enough to if he turns it on and he gets some opportunities, he's got to have help. Uh, but Deshaun Watson can can beat you uh, really anytime, no matter who you are. So uh, I'm picking the Patriots to win. Feels like a toss up. The Patriots are the Patriots, but I, I can't. I have no. I can't for the life of me. I can't figure out what the Patriots are doing. So I I don't know. Uh, the Dolphins and the Broncos. The Dolphins are going to win this game. It's a tough matchup for Denver. Drew Locke is injured but playing. I fear Drew Locke's going to struggle. Forget the injury. Miami's got a really good defense. I mean, Miami's very, very good on defense. They're, the Raiders and Miami were bad. They're now good. And we have two young quarterbacks, Drew Locke, against two. I think two is better. And the Dolphins are better in every single category. They have a better coach, better defense, better quarterback. Uh, maybe I would say that maybe the receivers or the weapons on offense, the edge goes to Denver. Like, if Jerry Judy just kills it. But I, you have you have Xavier Howard and... Byron Jones guarding Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. I mean, I I don't know how Denver wins this game. If Miami loses, then they screwed up or something crazy happened where uh, Tua got hurt or something insane has to happen for Miami to lose this game to Denver on Sunday. Uh, the Jets and the Chargers, it's another easy one. The Chargers should win easily. Uh, it's the Chargers. They never make it easy, though. So, unfortunately, I wish I could say confidently, yeah! I mean, I, I do say confidently, the Chargers should win this game. But will they? It's the Chargers. They <laughs> find a way every week to lose a game. If anybody can find a way to lose to the Jets, God forbid, it is the L.A. Chargers. So, I, I seriously, though, I, they have way more talent on their team. They have a better coach, in my opinion, uh, like significantly better coach. Anthony Lynn is... I think underrated, actually, in uh, the NFL as a guy who I don't know why they're losing so many close games, but I think he knows what he's doing. He's, I, I like him a lot. Maybe maybe I'm blinded about how much I like him. Uh, Justin Herbert is a way more talented quarterback than the Jets have, Sam Darnold, or if he's even playing. I don't even, I don't even care enough to do the research to know whether who, who's playing at quarterback for the Jets. I just don't even – I don't want to watch the Jets anymore. I've watched every game they've played this year. I don't want to watch anymore. I, I just <laughs> – please, please don't make me watch. I'm tired of it. Um, and I, the Jets uh, are going to lose. The Chargers had better win this game. And I expect Justin Herbert to have a huge game and do very, very well against New York, uh, the New York Jets, the green one. Uh, the Chiefs at the Raiders. A lot of people are picking the Raiders to win. 
I remember the Raiders beat uh, Kansas City in week five. And it's possible they could sweep Kansas City, but I don't. Does anybody beat Kansas City twice in one year? And maybe if you do it, you do it in the play. Like, here's the thing if the Raiders do beat Kansas City a second time this year, if you're a Raider fan, wouldn't you rather them do it in the playoffs and not waste their second victory against them now? I mean, because you're not going to win three games against them. So I, I it's, it's possible that the Raiders win. I believe Kansas City is going to win. Uh, it's hard to put together even one win against Kansas City, let alone two in one year. A lot of things have to go right. And I love how the Raiders are playing this year. I think they are having a great season. I think Derek Carr's criminally underrated, actually, playing very, very well. The defense getting better. They run the ball well. Uh, I still don't think that they beat Kansas City two times in a row in 2020. But I will say, I'll remind you, here are the, the things you have to do if you want to beat Kansas City because— the Raiders did do it earlier this year in Week 5. They kind of set a template and a precedent. They did all the things you have to do. They, You need to play your best game against Kansas City. You have to get a little bit of luck. You have to uh, make Kansas City pay when they make mistakes. They have a fumble, a turnover, and it's a field goal. You have to capitalize on that. And you have to go for it on fourth down, like a lot. You Maybe not every time. There are some situations where you're backed up and stupid. Um, but you don't want to punt a lot, and you don't want to kick a lot of field goals. You want to go for it on fourth down. You need touchdowns and first downs not punts and field goals. So you go for it on fourth down against Kansas City if you want to beat them. Uh, I don't have faith the Raiders can do it twice in the second game in a row against them. But I look, the Raiders are better than – they're really, really good. So I, I understand why people are picking them, but I, I think Kansas City uh, – I, 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 I don't know what Vegas says. I don't follow gambling and stuff, but I would imagine Vegas agrees with me that uh, the Chiefs are going to win this game against the Raiders. Vikings-Cowboys. You would think that the Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head coach, uh, would know Mike Zimmer, the Vikings head coach, very well. Uh, and in spite of that, I don't think it matters because the cliffhanger is I drink my water. Uh, the Cowboys are awful. <laughs> They're terrible. It doesn't matter how you scheme all you want. You're, you're a really bad team. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, the Vikings are not a bad team. Uh, they're four and five. They're okay. Uh, but the Vikings defense is getting better and better and better by the day. Every time I watch them, they're, they're young and they're improving and they have, they miss some pieces and it's COVID. So I don't, I don't really have no problem with if your defense is struggling in 2020, when you have no practice time and no off season, like <laughs> you can hate him for that. I, I don't really, Mike Zimmer is getting better. And it, it, of course, as you play more and as the year goes on, you're going to get better on defense in 2020. Uh, Dalvin Cook is going to run for like 900 million yards in this game. Uh, it's the Vikings' strength against the Cowboys' weakness. I mean, the Vikings love to run the ball. They run the ball very, very well. And the Cowboys consistently cannot stop the run. They're the worst running defense, like, in the NFL. They're awful. I mean, they just – I feel like every running back that plays the Cowboys has a career day. Even guys who you've never heard of, it don't matter. You're like, who the heck is that? He's like uh, a 7 million string running back who actually played receiver in college – and quarterback in high school who's never played running back before. He's lining up against the Cowboys. He's running for 700 yards. Like, it's that kind of year for the Cowboys. They're awful. Uh, and the Vikings are going to win this game. I mean, the Vikings are going to win, I think, pulling away against Dallas, unless Kirk Cousins throws, like, 11 interceptions. This has been very hyperbolic, this segment, and this this topic about uh, specifically the Vikings and the Cowboys. But I, uh, Dalvin Cook's seriously going to run for, like, 200 yards. I mean, he really is going to light it up against against the Cowboys. Uh, the reason why Kirk won't make a lot of mistakes is because he won't have to. Kirk Cousins isn't going to be throwing the ball very much. So we're just going to hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. It'll be boring. The clock will run down really quick. It's got to be a, it's gonna be a fast game because they're going to run the ball a lot. It's gonna be, the clock's going to be moving the entire time, and the Vikings should beat the Cowboys pretty easily.
Again, it's strength against weakness. That's never good for the Cowboys. Eagles at Browns. I got a lot of confidence in the Browns this week. Um, they run the ball very, very well. They're very well suited. The game is in Cleveland. They play good defense. Uh, last week, Baker Mayfield played a very clean game. It's, it's really infuriating. I did a whole rant about it. People kept saying Baker was bad last week. It's because he didn't watch the game. Don't judge him on statistics and numbers and passing yards. Judge him on decision-making. Baker was safe, was clean, was efficient last week. Uh, they had two guys run for over 100 yards. You're, of course, your quarterback's going to have a low amount of passing yards. You don't need a lot from Baker Mayfield. People are like, Baker needs to bounce back. What are you talking about? You didn't watch at all. It was swirling wind. They ran the ball for over 200 yards. I mean, com- Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had 100 yards each. More than that. So, I, I just, I have no confidence in the Eagles this week. Uh, they looked lost many times this year. Carson Wentz, their quarterback, is struggling. Uh, they have injuries. The Browns are going to win this game. I mean, there's no real debate in my heart. Uh, I've been really impressed with their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, the new guy in Cleveland. Uh, he, he came over from the Vikings every week, regardless of how Baker does. He's been uneven this week. I think the bye week was a good moment for him to reset. Baker, uh, sorry, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, every single week has a good plan. His game plans are phenomenal. Like The way he attacks defenses, the way... Everything. I really, you got to give a lot of respect to Kevin Stefanski. Whether Baker's the guy or not doesn't matter. Kevin Stefanski's the right guy in Cleveland. I'm all in on him. He's phenomenal. Uh, and uh, I, I I just, man, uh, the Browns are going to be the Eagles on Sunday. I guess today. Lions, Panthers. Could go either way. I, I really, I, I almost want to pass on this one because I don't know. Lions, Panthers, uh, it's. Teddy Bridgewater's hurt, the quarterback for the Panthers. So, I mean, the Panthers are solid. So is Detroit. If Teddy Bridgewater plays and it was healthy, it'd be a really interesting, like, back-and-forth competitive game, I would believe. Um, but Teddy's going to test his knee in the pregame. He's hurt. I really I can't predict this game. I don't know. I don't have enough info, and there's no way to find out until game time uh, if Teddy is going to play or not. In fact, they probably – let me look it up. I'm curious. Is Teddy Bridgewater playing? I've – I'm, I'm recording onto my computer, so I hope as I open a browser, it doesn't destroy my computer. I want to find out, though. I really am fascinated. Is Teddy Bridgewater playing or not? If my computer can even load. Um, we can, you know, we can even... Oh, no, here we go. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. I'm, I'm typing on the keyboard. You hear the clicky-click clacks? Uh, it's searching. He is inactive. Okay, PJ Walker's starting. So, PJ Walker's the right guy to play because... I should do this more often. I should Google stuff. I never do this ever in my life. I, that's, that's kind of fun, actually. Um, it'd be nice if I had, like, a Jamie from Joe Rogan Googling for me. That'd be great. I don't have that, though. I'm, I'm poor and, and I live in a house. Um, you know, not a mansion. I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, P.J. Walker starting. That's the right move, by the way. Uh, so I, I'm going to say the Lions are going to win this game. But I'm excited to watch P.J. Walker, actually. He was the XFL MVP. Uh, I, I was going to watch him live. I really... Like right before COVID ended, then my next game to go to was Houston, the Houston Roughnecks, and it didn't happen. So I was really disappointed. Um, people like Will Greer should start in Carolina. No, no, no. Here's why you start PJ Walker. Other than the fact that I think he's better, <laughs> like right off, right off the bat, he's also mobile. He can move around. He can run. Uh, Will Greer can't run around. He's limited. You want a quarterback who can run around and extend plays in the NFL in 2020, especially if you're playing with a backup quarterback. So. Uh, I love P.J. Walker. I'm excited to watch him. I think the Lions win this game now that I know that Teddy's out. Um, but I 
I don't know. I'm 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 actually really excited to watch this game because I'm excited to watch PJ Walker. I'm really that'll be fun. Lions should win. PJ Walker is a wild card. I don't know, but he I don't think he's no matter what he does, it probably won't be good enough to win because even with Teddy, it was hard task to beat the Lions. Um, but I'm excited to watch PJ Walker. How does he do against the Lions? We'll find out. Titans at Ravens. Again, Lions gonna win that game. Titans at Ravens. I believe the Titans win this game. Uh, they have more stability right now as an organization. The Ravens lost their tight end, Nick Boyle. He's a blocking tight end. It's a huge loss in the running game. Uh, plus, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for the Ravens, uh, is going through growing pains. I, I would say that he is... I, I said this earlier in the show, uh, in the full episode, if you're watching or listening. Uh, Lamar Jackson is figuring out who he wants to be as a quarterback. What parts of other people's games is he going to take? Remember, he won the NFL MVP, and I think in a healthy way... He was like, I want to be better. I don't want to be a guy who runs around a lot. I want to be a guy who can play for 15 years and throw the ball at a high level. And learning how to become a better passer. Anytime you go through growth and discomfort, it's going to be ugly for a little bit. And so Lamar Jackson right now is going through growing pains. It's not all perfect. It's not all pretty. It's not all good. But as he's fighting to get better, and even though there's struggle along the way, the end result's going to be better. So I, I think Lamar is going through a year of growth and a year of frustration that's going to be good in the long term. But because of that, uh, I've got a lot of confidence that Tennessee is going to win this game. Remember, Baltimore got carved up in the running game by the Patriots running back Damian Harris. Damian Harris had 121 yards rushing against Baltimore. So imagine if that's what Damian Harris can do. You, you literally, I know who Damian Harris is. You might have never even known the name Damian Harris. You certainly know the name Derrick Henry. If Damian Harris can do that against Baltimore, what's Derrick Henry and the Titans offensive line going to do? Titans are going to beat Baltimore today. Packers-Colts, I'm excited for this game. Feels like a toss-up. Uh, the Colts are very good up front. It's going to be a great game. The Colts are going to challenge Green Bay. And Green Bay is going to challenge the Colts. I, I really, I'm excited for both this matchup. I, I guess I'm going to pick the Colts to win. Uh, I am, I, I feel like that's stupid. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to bank on Phillip Rivers doing well, which another thing, gosh, you know, th- this prediction is going to be wrong. I'm picking the Colts to win. I'm going to be wrong. The Packers are probably going to win. Uh, I, I See, I don't even know. I, I the, the Colts have to run the ball very well and dominate time of possession, keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, the Colts defense is better than people realize. They're very good up front. Uh, I'm really curious whether or not Green Bay can run the ball against Indianapolis. Game is in Indianapolis, by the way. But uh, Rodgers versus Rivers. It's going to be very, very fun. And uh, I'm excited to watch it. I think final game of the week. Yeah. Uh, the Rams and the Buccaneers. Monday night football. I hope, I don't know where the game's at. I, I think it's actually. In Tampa, which is unfortunate because I kind of wish it was in that cool SoFi stadium. I showed my video, a girlfriend a video of uh, the Rams stadium yesterday. She went, it's like, it's, it's like, it's only a 24-hour drive. We should go there. <laughs> like, she was like, oh, my God. We should, she really wants to go now. Um, this is likely going to be the best Monday night football game of the year. I am so excited. Uh, I believe the Buccaneers are going to win a close game. It's a great matchup. The Rams defense is very good. Uh, but the Bucs defense can also be very good as well. So, um what sways me here, the reason why I'm going to pick the Buccaneers to win this game is Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady, I am taking last week against Carolina as uh, I'm reading that game as, oh, because uh, what I saw was he had a couple really good throws to Mike Evans. I think he's finally figuring out how to use Mike Evans. Another week with Antonio Brown on the system. I, my, my belief is that, man, if you have Antonio Brown 
Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Cameron Brait, Ronald Jones. You have so many weapons around Tom Brady, and it's Tom Brady. I, I feel like Tampa Bay's offense is just about to heat up and do really, really well, uh, and they're going to get dangerous. I feel like the process of that started against Carolina. Uh, and I, like I, I've always said, the person you should not doubt in the NFL is Tom Brady. Tom Brady and uh, LeBron James, every single time people want to doubt them and call them out and say their career's over or the tanking and this or that, it's not going to work. Uh, the cl- they're falling over the cliff. Every single time, they these two players, LeBron James and Tom Brady, find a way to exceed everybody's expectations. It's uncanny. It's crazy. I, I am not going to doubt Tom Brady. I think I would just regret it. If I picked the Rams to win... I would regret it. I'd be like, ah, what a stupid move. You're an idiot, Zach. You should have picked Tom Brady. Uh, and uh, the Rams have a stud corner, Jalen Ramsey. Unfortunately, he can't cover everybody. Remember, you have you have three like Pro Bowl receivers and two really good tight ends and Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. And it's like, it's endless. And the Buccaneers defense is pretty good, by the way. So uh, the Buccaneers are going to win. I think it's a close game because I think the Rams, I respect the Rams. They're a very good team. They have Aaron Donald. They have Jalen Ramsey. They have Jared Goff played very, very well against Seattle last week. Uh, I, I think Buccaneers win a close game and beat the Rams on Monday night football. Guys, that's all I have. An hour 20 in. Uh, we'll see if it's a little, probably an hour 18 maybe because I got to cut a minute or two out uh, of the going to the bathroom. There was like a moment where you didn't notice. I tried to cut it and hide it. I had to go to the bathroom. Um, yeah, I I love you guys. I appreciate you. It's uh, 10, 23 in the morning. This won't come out till 11 now, the predictions episode. I apologize. I did the best I could. I uh, I haven't slept. I yeah, I don't know. We'll do better tomorrow. I'm going to have smaller expectations for each episode and be disciplined. And um, I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Bam, bam, bam. We are done.